Hi, my name's Ian Beaton. You're about to listen to everyday people from differing backgrounds, but with one thing in common, a story. A story of adversity, a story of inspiration, a story of laughter, sometimes a story of sadness, or simply a story to make you think. I believe everyone has a story. I also believe that story should be shared. Welcome to So What's Your Story? Today's episode of So What's Your Story? I have a fabulous guest joining me, Tara Halliday, who has been a, who is a founder and owner of Complete Success Limited. Not only that, Tara is a number one best-selling author um, of The Unmasking, The Coach's Guide to Imposter Syndrome. And she's currently writing another book, which is Understanding Imposter Syndrome. Thank you and delighted to be here. When people talk about imposter syndrome, it, it's an interesting one, isn't it? You know, it's like a misinterpretation. What, what, what is imposter syndrome and, and how many people does it affect? And, 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 and is it real? So, Tara, tell us a little bit about yourself. Help us understand, if you may, a little bit more about imposter syndrome. I'm, a, as you said, an imposter syndrome specialist. So my work is helping C-level executives eliminate imposter syndrome for good. And then, of course, your question, what is imposter syndrome? So imposter syndrome is the secret feeling of being a fraud when you're not, that feeling that you're not quite good enough. You can't quite connect with your successes, regardless of how successful you've been. And it affects over 70% of high achievers at some point in their career. Wow. It creates confusion, anxiety, sense of isolation, overwhelm, and it has significant impact on your personal life and well as well as your professional life. That's incredible. And is, is there, I, I, I remember reading through your bio and, and, and there, were, there was three points which, which really um, <laughs> sort of jumped out at me. Um, those three points were, you're not alone, it's not you, and you can uh, beat this. Um, yes, <laughs> they're they're very much close to your heart, are they, Tara? And, and and sort of your 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 mantras are they? I guess. Absolutely. So, you know, the the imposter syndrome. What's driving it? The belief underneath it is is an unconscious belief. So we don't recognise the belief itself. We recognise the symptoms of the belief. Uh-huh. Right. So that we might see ourselves as doing a lot of procrastinating, feeling perfectionist, comparing ourselves to um, other people, Mm -hmm. you know, how they are on the outside compared to how we are on the inside, Mm. Um, uh, not speaking up quite enough, not having quite the impact that you wanted to have, um, deflecting praise, saying, oh, I just got lucky, it was good timing and really feeling that. Sometimes not putting yourself forward for, for promotions or sometimes um, just feeling like you have to push yourself through and risk burnout. So it has some, um, you know, very big uh, impact. It has a large ripple effect throughout your life. And it, it's, a, it's a very serious issue. And because we don't see the underlying belief, 
we think it's just us. We think it's our personality or maybe we're not quite cut out for this. And it has caused people to quit their jobs, quit their careers, um, move into another area because they think there's something wrong with them. And actually, it's just this belief. So it's definitely not you and you're not alone. And the other part of it is that there is something you can do about it. Um, the neuroscience has, has told us in the, in, in the last couple of decades that the brain has neuroplasticity. Right? It's able to change. And this belief, it's not your personality and it is a belief that you can change with the right techniques. So yes, absolutely, those three things, very dear to my heart. Unbelievable that it that it that it, it, it sort of manifests itself from 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 a, a thought pattern. Then is that is that? Yeah. So a belief is um, what the psychologist calls a schema. So basically, you have your brain has a model of the world. You don't interact with the world. You actually your brain interacts with its representation of the world, and the brain's main job is to keep you safe. Right, your life is precious, so its job is to keep you safe, and it's always it's always looking out for danger. And it's the idea is that the better it can predict the next few seconds, the next few minutes, the next few hours, then the safer you can keep yourself. So it's always looking out for that um, that that danger. And the problem with that is. Well, this is this is what your beliefs are. Then is is the model of their individual model of the world. So you have a belief, for example, that uh, the pavement will support your weight when you're walking along it. Right. So you don't have to reach out tentatively with your foot every time to check that it's <laughs> strong enough before you walk. So you can walk fast and confidently across the pavement. Yeah. Uh, without having to worry about it. And that's what beliefs are. They're shortcuts for your brain. They're shortcuts to the model in your brain. And some of them we create through learning. And this particular one we're talking about is creating it created automatically. So we we never knew we picked it up, but we operate from it without even thinking about it. And so we don't we don't see it directly as a belief. All we see is the are those symptoms that I mentioned earlier. Mm. Very, very interesting. And, and, and you mentioned that a large proportion of your clients, if not all of them, are, are, are C-suite executives. And just for the listeners that don't understand that terminology, perhaps, uh, would you help me just interpret uh, what a C-suite executive is? Yeah, so th this is the your, your CEO, the chief executive officer, and, and, and all the other chiefs, chief marketing officer, chief financial officer, chief financial, yeah. chief, chief operating officer. So it's the top level management in, yeah. in a corporation, basically. Yeah. And of course, you know, also managing directors, company directors, um, board executives, chairman, mm. people at the top of their industry that's mm. that's my um that's mm. my clients yeah uh, and, I, and I, yeah yeah and, and that's really interesting because i guess you know i mean you know my background is in the corporate world as, as, as you know tara and you know you look at these leaders around you and we always imagine as as the as the people reporting into them or even sometimes on the same level i've, I've had the opportunity to work uh, 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 at quite a senior level in, in organizations um 
we kind of look at our peers sometimes and think, yeah, you know, um, they are, they are, they they are the ultimate. You know, they 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 mm-hmm. there can't be any chinks in their armor because of who they are, their responsibility, and the decisions they make, and the undertaking of their everyday day to day job. But what you're saying is that that's not true, right? So so a, a lot of the a lot of these people are are, are struggling with that uh, position, not necessarily struggling with that position they're in, but the the perception in their mind is often limiting them. Yeah. That's exactly it. It's a, it's a sense that despite all of their success, they're not quite good enough, not wow. quite good enough. Wow. And for the vast majority of people, other people have no idea that they're experiencing imposter syndrome mm. right? because they, they appear capable and competent and confident. Now, intellectually, people with imposter syndrome know that they're capable and they're that competent. <laughs> right. But internally... Emotionally, they they also have this doubt, this self doubt. I'm not quite good enough, and and this creates a tension between the two. Right, the two. It's the psychologists call it cognitive dissonance. It's where you have two opposing viewpoints or beliefs, and you're trying to hold them at the same time, and that creates an awful lot of tension in the brain. It creates distress and anxiety, and um, and that's really the problem with it. And so when people are comparing to their colleagues or other or other business leaders, it seems that everybody else seems to be doing such a great job. And I mu- so I must be the only one experiencing this. And, you know, you, you also, ha- it's in all levels of high achievement. So you have Meryl Streep, for example, who has won more acting awards than anyone in history. And she still thinks with the imposter syndrome thought before a new film, who'd want to come and see a film with me in it? So, <laughs> and and it seems unbelievable. And and when you're at a lower, I, I think, you know, when, you, when you're at, you know, um, more, more junior levels in a company, there's a sense of, well, maybe when I get to that senior level, that top level, then I'll feel good enough. And what happens is that people get to the top level and they're still not feeling good enough because... It's nothing to do with the level that they're at. It's this pesky little belief that's that's causing all the problem. And I'm guessing that you know you mentioned Meryl Streep there, so so she's an, she's a, a, a well-known actress. But but just flipping the coin, imposter syndrome can affect a lot of people, right? So so, so you could be uh, uh, an executive climbing the ladder in, in in your career or you could be from another walk of life, an actor, an actress or, or a musician or an imposter syndrome could, could could still be affecting you. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it, I think it's the difference between knowing that you're capable and feeling not good enough becomes stronger the more successful you become. So it becomes more noticeable. Okay. Um, there's another There's another thing that, whilst people sometimes mistake imposter syndrome so for something else. So there is a, a process when people are learning things, right? So they go from, in, in four stages, they go from unconscious incompetence. Basically, they don't know that they don't know. That's before they start learning. Mm-hmm. Then they start learning, they get to conscious incompetence that is they know that they don't know stuff and they're in the middle of learning mm-hmm. and then they move on to conscious competence they know they they, they know stuff mm-hmm. and then unconscious competence where they internalize it and it becomes it becomes an operating pattern or belief 
And sometimes when people are going through that learning stage and they 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 know that they don't know enough, it's it's the conscious incompetence. Often people mistake that for imposter syndrome because they don't feel comfortable. Mm. Like, you know, they're feeling like, oh, I've got so much to learn, and I, you know, I'll be, I might be making mistakes here. I, I, there's some things I don't know, and they might feel like a fraud. They don't because they don't know everything yet. So this is where a lot of people who are just learning something think they might have imposter syndrome. Actually, imposter syndrome lives in the conscious competence when they know that they can do this. They know they're capable. They've got the skills to do it. And yet, and it's that and yet they still don't feel quite good enough. Wow. So how does it affect those individuals then? You know, like thinking about a typical client of yours, are you able to share perhaps a story, uh, an example? Uh, because what I'm thinking here is, is like, how does it affect somebody? Um, and, and I can think as a, as a leader, because it seems that it's, it's very different from not having confidence, isn't it? Absolutely. It's not a lack of confidence. It's not low self-esteem. Right. And, and that's one of the reasons it's so confusing. Um, so the, there's three areas that it'll show up. So it'll show up um, in your thinking, in your physiology, and in your behavior patterns. So in your thinking, the kind of thoughts that you have are, I don't know why they hired me. <laughs> Maybe they're going to fire me any any minute. Um, and doing that comparing, as we said, to, to other people. Everyone else seems to be so good. You know, maybe I'm going to be found out. Um, and that, that feeling of self-doubt. Uh, that, so that's all the, the mind part of it. Then it causes anxiety. So um, it's part of the brain that says, hey, this is, this is a threat this to our survival. So it trips the nervous system into fight or flight or freeze states. And that changes then how, you're, how you perform. Um, in those states, blood flow goes to, you know, your arms and legs to ready you to fight off or run away from this threat. Um, and it gets taken away from, because it has to go from somewhere, the prefrontal cortex, the, the front part of your brain. Well, that's the logical thinking and planning part of the brain. So in 2012... Princeton University did a, did a study and they measured that the difference between not being in the fight and flight state and being in it meant that your IQ temporarily dropped by 13 points, which is a huge amount for your IQ to drop. So you literally cannot think. So people talk about their mind going blank. Well, yeah, because your brain, <laughs> your logical part of your brain doesn't have the oxygen and nutrients necessary to function you literally can't think so well and it affects your um, decision making it makes you uh, more emotionally reactive it makes you a bit more suspicious less cooperative and um, it can affect your sleep your tension and chronic health impacts so there's all those stress impacts on the physiological part of it and then the behaviors those actions were the symptoms that I was talking about earlier, you know, the, the procrastination, the perfectionism, over-preparing, sometimes not speaking up enough, or um, sometimes people uh, avoid going for a, a, a promotion or a new role because they can't tick every single box and they feel like they, they need to or they don't want to take it on just in case they get found out. 
Um, some people feel like they haven't quite got enough qualifications, even though they have plenty. So they'll go out and do, for, a popular one is an MBA, for example. And you can spend an awful lot of money getting an MBA. And I, I have had clients who have done an MBA so that they will feel like they're better. And it hasn't solved that problem. So they still feel the same way because the problem wasn't the qualifications in the first place. That's so interesting. And I think, the, you know, you mentioned at, at, at the head of this session that it affects 70% or, or as much as 70% of mm. senior executives. That's an astonishing number. It really is. And um, so so how do, how do this, you know, typically... Torah in, in in your world how how will how would somebody come to you and I guess firstly perhaps is is it difficult for people to acknowledge that this is happening um I it's certainly in a public arena right because people think it's them right yeah. so they think there's a problem with them um but when they become aware of it so here's my my experience with it when they become aware of it there's actually a sense of relief it's like oh Ah, oh, it's not me. Okay, now I understand. Now I understand why I can know that I'm capable and yet at the same time feel not good enough. Now I understand why I'm so stressed. Now I can understand why this board meeting is, is you know, causing me to lose sleep three days ahead of time and all of these things. So there's, there's first that sense of, Okay, we, we've identified it. So self-awareness is the very first part in changing anything mm -hmm. and, um, and it can feel good to, to become aware of it. And once that, at that stage, you start to work with your clients and, 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 and what's the process if, you, if you're happy to share that with us here today on the yeah, podcast? Sure. You know. So, so um, the, the whole process is to change the belief that's driving all of these imposter syndrome thoughts and feelings and behaviours. Um, and the, and, and it, all of those, the symptoms that I mentioned, all of them are driven by this one belief that your worth as a human being is conditional. Your worth depends on what you do. Like if you do something good, you are good. If you do something bad, you are bad. And this is a leftover artefact from, from development, not about the quality of your childhood, but actually the development of your brain. And um, it is, it's formed in your brain as a belief. And so the work that I do basically changes that belief. To, to change this belief is three steps. So firstly, you have to get calm. So you have to calm the brain so it's non, no longer triggering the fight, flight and freeze. It's no longer reacting, it's no longer in danger mode because then the brain is, is plastic, basically. This neuroplasticity I mentioned, then the brain is receptive to changing. Then we use a very particular technique to change the, the belief, the, the belief that, for example, this next board meeting is a threat that's going to kill you like a tiger. That's what it's coming down to. <laughs> so we change that belief. And then from that, now you have more more space, you're more calm, you have more mental space, you're, you're, you're not lo no longer distracted by this, there's like a siren blaring in your ear going danger, danger. So you no longer have that, you're more focused. And then we do some work in, you know, connecting with the, the, the real you, who, who you are 
with this negative belief removed, right? So this is this is getting into authenticity and developing resilience and, and helping with create success habits. So that's the, the arc, the calm, clear and create is the arc of the, the process. And typically, you know, I guess it's case by case, but you know, do, do you find clients move at a good pace through this, or or, or is this a, is this a, a, a an ongoing journey to, to some extent? Yeah, uh, well, it's it's not coaching; it's actually a transformational journey. So okay. it's okay. it's not information; it's not um, education, um, and uh, it, it, it's uh, it's not a toolbox. Right, so mm. you—it's actually a transformational process that mm. that we go through, and it has eight steps within it. And the fastest you can do that is in eight weeks. It's actually structured to be uh, in in modules, eight modules, and you can do it in eight weeks, or we can stretch it out if need be, and you know, so sometimes twelve, fourteen weeks. But it's a remarkably short period of time given the the size of the transformation. And the reason for that is because I've created this program based on, um, based on neuroscience, based on what the research says will, will, will make a difference, will change this belief. So part of the work that I did um, before I put this program together, I worked as a neurofeedback trainer which means we put electrodes on somebody's head in a dark room. We measure their alpha brain waves as they're going through a belief change process. So we can actually see the changes, the, the changes in the brain and the, uh, the, the letting go, the relaxation that the brain uh, experiences once you've changed that belief and it, it actually changes the brain waves. And, you know, it's quite, quite a profound shift. So we can actually see it. And that's... That's the reason that it happens in such a short period of time um, because it's very targeted. We're just doing this one thing, just changing this belief. Mm. It's fascinating. And just thinking about a C-suite executive for a second, lots of responsibility usually uh, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and uh, you know, with imposter syndrome affecting that individual, I am imagining... Um, that that could be detrimental to other areas of their life as well. Absolutely. So, um, for example, we we have this um, perfectionism element to it, you know, so if I feel some one way people try to address not feeling quite good enough is to try and make everything perfect, to, you know, to force it to be good enough, and that leads them to over-preparing, overworking, and um, so doing more than is required for a particular um, presentation or project or, or, or negotiation. And that takes, takes up time. Um, and, 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 and so you know, they find they're, they're working later. They're also struggle to switch off because their brain's saying this is dangerous, right? You've got to, you've got to fix this somehow. So their yeah. brain's going round and round trying to sort things out. It disturbs your sleep, so it disturbs your energy levels. So it, you know, so the yes, the, the repercussions of your your evenings are less relaxed. You haven't got as much time or, or being present for your for your loved ones and friends. And then the same with your weekends. And often people 
find that their holidays are, are impacted like that. So the quality of life impact is is huge and having less energy, we we get irritable more easily. Um, we, we have less patience and, and so, you know, it's also, I've also seen it as, as the cause of divorces as well. Goodness me. And, and I would imagine that, you know, if, if you get into that spiral, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a downward spiral, isn't it? Because, you know, your lack of energy and then the pressure of coming back from the top of the funnel and, and, and then the perfectionist aspect and blah, 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 blah. It just becomes like one big, I would imagine, uncontrollable whirlwind of emotion that you're just trying to just manage. And then, of course, there's demand of everyday responsibility of your job. Um, which yes. must be must be unbelie- unbelievably um, difficult to deal with. So, Tara, look, you know, you mentioned about the processes and everything else. Uh, there clearly is light at the end of the tunnel for anybody who is is in this situation. Um, uh, you've worked with lots and lots of clients, and you've written books, and and you're very much specialist in this area. Um, it's not a dead end, is it? No, and I think that's a really important message that people understand. Because as you said, that that spiralling down, the only thing that people can see is, is that it's them. That's their conclusion, that it's them. And they can't see any way to deal with it. And so it leads very often in two directions. One is that people just quit. So you've got these fabulously talented, capable people wow. who who are leaving something that they should have been able to you know enjoy as a you know as a thrilling challenge and adventure uh, that is you know a top level management and um and, and they leave they become a consultant they they change sector because they think maybe it's the sector they're in they or or, or they they take a, a smaller job and they get that disappointment because they still know that they have the capacity but they just they just couldn't find a way to, um, to to move through it. So there's this hopelessness. And then the, the other part is people just push through it and push through it, hope it will go away. It doesn't. And then that, that can lead to burnout. And, uh, you know, that, that, can, that can end careers as well. So, the, uh, yeah, the end point isn't, isn't good with imposter syndrome. No, not at all. I mean, you touched on some very, very powerful points there. You know, divorce, burnout, uh, 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 leaving your job and and, and, and and taking taking less, which is obviously going to have uh, uh, presumably financial implications. Yeah. You know, these, these are these are these are terrible factors, and of course, then there must be a wider ripple as well, like your 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 family relationships, your your. But it, but the but the, but the centre of all of this is that the individual themselves, you know, the 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 the, the, the turmoil that this 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 imposter syndrome and and it's really interesting the, the wording itself imposter syndrome it's like but it's real yeah it's absolutely real yes now you do hear some people say you know oh it's not real and and the the reason for that is that the the medical world has a very precise definition of what a syndrome is okay and uh it's you know it's it's a dysfunction it's in the mental health arena and it needs psychotherapy and it needs a psychiatrist help to to bring you to normal functioning. Imposter syndrome is not one of those. It's, it's um, 
its common name is imposter syndrome. When, when it was first uh, identified back in 1978, it was actually called imposter phenomenon. Okay. That was probably too many syllables for most people. So <laughs> it's, it's become known as imposter syndrome, but it's not a medically defined syndrome. So that's why some people will, um, will say that it's not real. Well, it's not real syndrome, but it doesn't need that psychotherapist's help. It's actually considered to be normal functioning, um, but it, what it does do is it it prevents you from getting to your your peak functioning, your potential uh, in in a way that's that's comfortable and fun and enriching and challenging. Gosh, what would be your advice, Tara, of somebody that 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 feels this overwhelming fraud? Let's use, let's use that strong word because you've used it several times and. I've noticed it in your in your books, and and you know it, it is it is it is it is at the end of the day it is that you know it's 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 this feeling of being a fraud. What what would you be, your advice be to people listening to this podcast who are who are perhaps sitting there thinking, God, you know, so much of this, I, I feel that way. Um, what would your advice be? Well, there's two things you can do. One one you can either try and manage imposter syndrome, or you can eliminate it. Right, so that that's and, and the elimination. That's that's what I do. So you come and come and see someone like myself who who changes the belief that drives imposter syndrome, and that will be a, a completely getting rid of it. So what you can do to manage imposter syndrome, as best you can, try and um, manage your nervous system. So watch out when you're getting triggered into fight, flight, and freeze. Um, really pay attention to your karma. I think this is why. Meditation has become quite the corporate tool these days, um, whereas 30 years ago it was this weird hippie stuff that nobody would touch. Um, <laughs> yeah. people, people are recognising it because I think of neuroscience and it said, no, this actually you know, calms your nervous system yeah. and, and that's the best position yeah, you can th- be th- in. Yeah, things like mindfulness and things like that, yeah? Yeah, my, um, mindfulness as long as you don't have any, uh, uh, any history of trauma. So just to, if you if you have so because we're, we're speaking to a, a large audience here because if you have any form of post traumatic stress disorder PTSD then mindfulness has been shown to actually make that worse. Wow. So okay. as as long as as long as you, you you haven't got the PTSD then mindfulness is good. Meditation is good. Breathing exercises are good. Um, exercise in itself and and so. Um, the other thing is to try and get some support, someone you can talk to. Mm. Most people keep imposter syndrome a, th- a secret. Mm. They think they feel either embarrassed or ashamed or they think it's them or mm. all of the above. Mm. Um, so find someone that you can talk to and, you know, that might be someone who you pay to talk to, like a counsellor or a coach, um, or it might be somebody who's, who's a good friend who's not going to try and fix you or is not going to judge you for it and is just going to accept you for, for who you are. So those are the two biggest things that you can do to just help just turn that dial down. And I think the other part is knowing that this is a thing, knowing it's imposter syndrome, knowing that it's not you and that so many other people experience it can also help, you know, just that awareness can also help in 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 terms of not judging yourself and not beating yourself up and and not feeling even more like a fraud because you feel less isolated. Sure. Do, how, how do you typically work with clients? 
Yes, it, I I work with a with, with clients. So I've been a holistic therapist for um for as you say over twenty years. I've been focused on imposter syndrome for six. So I work with people on a one to one basis. So the very original people have start tried to start imposter syndrome support groups in the past, and it just they just don't work because people feel like it's just them. So even in an imposter syndrome support group, this is what another coach has talked to me about. She tried to set them up and she said people were sitting there thinking everyone else really isn't a fraud and it's not just me. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't, doesn't actually help. What, what helps is to, um, to address the belief. So I work with people on a one-to-one basis mm-hmm. and, um, and I also have coaches that work for me taking uh taking clients through this process on a one-to-one basis as well tara thank you very much for your time today but before we close off how can people get hold of you probably the on 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 the social media best on linkedin so tara dash halliday dash dash phd so uh connect with me follow me i have a a weekly newsletter called the High Performance Executive, so you can subscribe to that. But send me a, a, a personal message um, on my website, www.completesuccess.co.uk. Marvellous. Tara, you have enlightened me today, and I'm hoping that our listeners have been enlightened. Uh, you know, some of the uh, takeaways are, are incredible, and, and this is something which isn't uh, a, a small percentage of, of people it's affecting. I'm just going to re- reiterate that that stat, that 70% of people are affected by this. And thanks to people like you out there, 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 is, there is a solution to this uh, to uh, eradicate it. So thank you so much for your time. I feel very humbled and, and uh, honoured to have you on my podcast today. It's been my absolute pleasure and I wish you all the best. Thank you very much, Ian. My pleasure too. Thank you. I think you'll agree that was quite a story. Join me again for next week's episode of Ian Beaton's So What's Your Story? If you enjoyed this episode, it meant something to you, or maybe you think a friend or a loved one might like to listen to it too, go ahead and share it with them. Remember, if you have a story you'd like to share, or perhaps you know someone who does, I invite you to join me on my podcast. I can be contacted by email, web, or social. Thank you. You've just listened to So What's Your Story?